Welcome to today's co-hosted podcast. I'm Chuck Marple, your host, along with my co-host, Karen E. How are you doing today, Karen? I'm doing well. We have a decent weather today, a little bit cold. We have a Christmas tree outside that we put like some peanut butter and bird seed ornaments on, and we've been watching birds and squirrels for the last two days go after hey, them. So we've had some wildlife on the back deck here. That sounds like fun. Well, we're going to have temperatures that approach north, uh, north temperatures. We're going down to wind chills and single digits on Christmas Eve and Christmas. Yeah, we're expecting similar weather as well. Yeah, but you're in Ohio. We're in Georgia. So <laughs> people down here can't handle that. Well, when I got to thinking about this podcast, one of the things I wanted to bring up first is something that I'm not a real fan of, though I saw you playing it for four years. And that is the uh, World Cup. And that, and well, of course, soccer, which is football to most of the world, we call soccer. And I'm not a real fan of, of, of professional soccer. But we briefly kept up with the World Cup. And then on Sunday, we turned it on expecting to see Fox pregame, and we watched one heck of an hour of the World Cup. That was probably one of the most exciting sports things I've seen in a long time that wasn't football or basketball, but it's quite the thing until you get it to the penalty kits. But that was, that was kind of impressive, and then I've got to give credit to Argentina and the, the, in, the, in the penalty kicks, which were the most boring part of what we saw, um, that they were able to do that. And they, they, interesting enough, the announcers warned if it went into penalty kit, Argentina had the better goalie. And that's how it turned out to be. They got four, four kicks and they only got uh, one for, in time for uh, the uh, French. So they beat out the world champion. This was pretty good. Now we're going to get to the consequential report of the Congressional Committee that we watched yesterday. A very interesting report because they did come out and make some charges. Let's look specifically at those charges. Okay. First charge was obstruction of an official proceeding, which many of the lower level people, the people actually in there, also have been charged with. Conspiracy to defraud the United States. Well, the former president is kind of known, and for years been known kind of as a grifter himself, of using other people's money to accomplish things. And when that goes south, he, get, he bails out, they lose the money, and he doesn't, doesn't hurt. Conspiracy to make a false statement, which relates to the special uh, um, alternate slate of electors. Obstruction of an official proceeding. Conspiracy, to, I said that again, there's twice of it here. Uh, conspiracy to make a false statement. And finally, the most important one, conspiracy to defraud the U.S., by aiding or, or comforting those involved in an insurrection. Now think what that means, an insurrection. Let's look at the Constitution here. Before he or she enters on the execution of his office, and this comes from uh, uh, Article 2 of the Constitution, the executive, he shall take the following oath or affirmation. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States 
and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. We talked about that in the last one, how it goes. Mm. Now, that last one about insurrection comes out of the 14th Amendment, Section 3. No person shall be a, a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support and defend the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. So they're using this as the basic charge. And we'll get to that a little bit as we go on. But that's an important thing to remember as we go through that, because one thing that goes with it is it's going to be difficult to convict him on that one. Because there is a, it talks about a conspiracy. I think the conspiracy is out there, whether they've got an, they're going to be enough, the DOJ. There could very well be enough to do it. I don't know. What did you think from watching that? I I thought that the committee did a good job of summarizing everything they had and sort of condensing it into what charges they knew they were presenting. So none of it was a big surprise when they got to uh, the part when they were announcing the charges. Um. I read something this morning that was interesting that said that, you know, the, the question now is, will there be charges against him? Because being able, the committee being able to say, we recommend these charges is a lot different than the type of evidence that you need in court to be able to get an actual indictment on that. So while it seems pretty damning at this point, I, 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 I sort of want to hold judgment until the full report is released, but I'm also acknowledging that there's a good chance that the A, they're never going to have that level of information or B, maybe the DOJ already has it and they know what they need to do to bring those charges forward. But I don't think we're going to know for a while. Yeah, I don't think we're going to know for a while either. There's a lot of criticism of Merrick Garland and, and uh, the DOJ of the process of how they moved uh, they were moving too slowly. They even the people on the committee had uh, had uh, um, up, were a bit upset with the with the pace of it. And and Ellie Honig, who is a CNN co contributor, was kind of uh, uh, not happy with how that pace either. But it turns out I think Merrick Garland is a very very careful man. I don't think he he's a he's a Bob Mueller by a stretch of imagination, and certainly. Jack uh, Martin, uh, Jack Smith, excuse me, yeah. is, is, is a very, very uh, a capable person. A little aside, people up there, he and I graduated from the same high school, Liverpool High School, Liverpool, New York. Of course, he's a bit younger, so it was a little later in time, but he did graduate the same thing. I thought it was kind of an interesting aside. But anyways, I think he's a very deliberate man, and the stuff he's been doing really takes them at a whole different level. It takes them at this higher level that we're doing it. And I think between him and Merrick Garland, I think we're, they're in a, in a good place. The question becomes, how soon can they put together charges? And what charges should be? I think some of the, some of it's going to be a little easier to prove than others. Obviously, this, this uh, 
biggie, but the biggie is important because the biggie will keep Donald John Trump from holding any office of trust in the United States, any office of trust, because in fact, he will have violated that oath if he's convicted. And that's, that's the big if. But on the flip side of it, Merrick Garland said several months ago that no one, no one is above the law. And yesterday, uh, I believe it was Representative Schiff talked about a, a little bit about that, that concept. And that if you're charging the foot soldiers, you really, really need to be charging the man in charge, the, the, the big, big wigs. In any crime thing, we look as they're going along. I thought it was interesting how they said in others, because those others may start running scared. People like Mark Meadows may very well turn on him. Yeah. Some of them have been pretty, pretty willing, like Cipollone and, and doing thing and doing it. But Mark Meadows has refused, and uh, maybe he's going to look a little bit more carefully from here on in. And, and I think there may be people that have already testified that have more information, but sort of were able to weasel their way. Like, you know, you just answer the questions that you're asked. You don't expand on any information that you have. And there may be other pieces, you know, that Ivanka or Jared might have or somebody that, that else that's close to him. You know, it's, Rudy Giuliani's in a lot of trouble, so they might find a way for him to flip. Like, he's in a lot of trouble. I, I wouldn't really trust anything that came out of his mouth at this point. But there's a lot of people out there that have seen some things. And it it surprises me, you know, at the time, there's people like Bill Barr and, you know, John Bolton, and they were 100% Trump. But they've come out publicly against him, you know, and they've said, yeah, he said that he had this process to declassify and that's not a thing. We never did that. <laughs> so like stuff like that, there's so many people that know so much. And I think that if they have to save themselves, they will. So I think that's yeah. sort of the place where the DOJ has to start. And I, and you can look at like, I've seen, you know, I've watched a, a lot of documentaries and a lot of news on this and you can see how Ivanka is pretty savvy and she has sidestepped a lot of the things that, that he wanted his people to be saying between November and January. And she never really said those things. So, you know, she's smart enough to be like, I don't want to get mixed up in this. But yeah. she still has seen a lot. And there's, I would say, probably dozens that if they came forward with everything that they knew, they could prove every single one of those charges and probably more. Yeah, to put it into a perspective that you, you are really good at, it's a great big jigsaw puzzle. And they need to put the pieces together to, to do it. And what happened was that there is a, a big outline that the J, DOJ already had just from, from their grand jury reports, from the people they've talked to, from what's out there in the public realm, plus just the, the footage from that time and the things that he said and done and, and people have also said and done. But now 
the kind of filling in towards the middle with the stuff that came from the the select committee because the, the select committee did so many other things and so many firsthand tapings and transcripts and videos of all of the all of these these people that there may be things that they can catch them and there may be somebody who had uh, talked to the grand jury and talked to the uh the select committee may have said something different in one or the other, and they can catch them in those. And that is where they really, really start having those opening to get after people. But it is a puzzle. And you got to yeah. have somebody who knows how to put all those pieces together. And certainly, it looks like uh, Jack Smith is that person to do it. And that was a very savvy move on Merrick Garland's plate uh, to do that, to take the politics out of it, because they can say all they want about the politics. The, and yes, there's a political aspect, and we can get to a little bit about about that. That uh, talking about the political aspect of all of this report, but there's a political aspect that comes out of the select committee, and then you could even say a political aspect that comes out of the DOJ itself. But by pointing somebody who is outside of that realm, that has not even been part of the DOJ in any recent times, I'm not even sure he's got DOJ experience. But he's got that prosecutorial things at the at a level that most prosecutors in this country, most one uh, lawyers in this country don't have. Looking at an international crimes, crimes that really uh, affect at a national at a, in a different country, obviously, but affect at that much level of the people themselves. So he's he's the, the right man to do it. But that reminds me of the political aspect in there. And one of the things that several people mentioned, and it's kind of a little bit of a disappointment. And I'm not sure why they didn't go a little farther on that, and I might have liked to see them. And that was they've let their colleagues off the hook. They let Jim Jordan, Mo Brooks, and several others on that referring to the ethics committee is going to do absolutely nothing because the ethics committee as it stands has got less than two weeks to go. So this ethics committee can do nothing. And when you're going to put a Republican of McCarthy's choice in there, who is one of the people that they've, they've referred, you know, it's going to go nowhere. And that's a sad thing. And these men, these men are going to be let off the hook in, in many ways. Maybe the DOJ will do something about it. I doubt if they will, but a couple of them still are in trouble. But there's a lot of other I, people that I'd like to see go too. I, I think that by putting their names out there and like, you know, we'll see who's named in the, in the full report tomorrow, but by just putting their names out there, I, I think you are kind of sort of putting them on notice. You know, we see you. And if all of this goes south at some point, those those folks may have a, a pretty big uphill climb to stay in office. You know, we can hope so. I the country swings back towards the middle where it belongs. I really think that those people on that MAGA outsider place, I, I think they'll fall. I don't think that they'll be able to maintain the power that they've enjoyed these last five, six years. Well, your state elected to me probably one of the worst extended members of Congress, and that's Jim Jordan. 
And there's so much wrong with him being being in elected office. We won't even go into that. Involved in in his position when he was in Ohio State. There's it is a crazy, crazy thing. I think the one thing we need to get out of this, and I don't care. I would love to see the former president wearing a, a prison jumpsuit. Whether that will ever happen, I don't know. And that's not as important. The one thing, <coughs> excuse me, the one thing that needs to be done is he needs to be barred from forever holding an office of trust again in any state or any federal office. That is the key. Nothing else truly matters. If, if nothing else comes out of all of this, and when we look at him from that beginning, from the quid pro quo with uh, Ukraine, and look at what happens, what's happened to the Ukraine since then. One of the interesting things, and this is, this is a little bit off where we are today, was when the former president said, well, Russia wouldn't have dared to, to go into Ukraine if I had been president. And my only feeling it with him is he would have said, okay, go ahead. And Ukraine would have fallen. It would have fallen eventually. Yeah. Because he, he was too buddy-buddy with Putin. And we still don't know what's going on between those two uh, good buds on there. It could be just financial. It could be something else. I don't think it's a PP type, but who knows? So, you know, it, we got to go ahead. I was going to say that, and that might be a piece of this as well. You know, find these communications that he had with foreign countries where he said things like, don't worry, I'll stay in power. We've got a plan, which I'm pretty sure is out there. You know, I hope so. talked all about his plan with some Chinese folks. There's, there's, there's a lot, a lot of, of things on there. And it, it's a sad thing because uh, too many people, when he first announced that he was running, he had a kind of reputation of being kind of like a clown. Regis Philbin used to make fun of him on his show. And even though they were friends and he, he spent time with him in it with, with, with uh, as he called him, the Donald. If people would have taken him a little bit more serious from the very beginning and didn't play his game by fighting back against him. I mean, the, the only one was the former governor of Ohio that, that stuck to the issues. And by the time they, that got everybody else had fallen out by the wayside and it was too late. But had everybody taken him seriously. But the problem is people never took him seriously. They, they thought he was kind of a joke. He was the add-on, you know, the person that, that would go out and say, you're fired on television. Or the person that would be in the movies or they talk about him. You watch things like the Golden Girls they mentioned, Donald Trump. And it's, it, it's, it's a crazy time for that. But it goes to me, the most important thing is what Merrick Garland said. I'll reiterate it. No one is above the law, no matter what your position was, is, or going to be. You should not be above the law. You should not get a pass because you were a president of the United States. Maybe, like Gerald Ford said, we don't want to put a president in prison. Although the, the crimes that Nixon committed, crimes, yes, but they were nowhere near the level of what the former president did. Not where, anywhere near. And that lived through that time of Watergate, so I know. But I don't think that I don't think that Nixon was looking for like to be the supreme ruler of the land. Didn't he? he didn't he just want to be reelected? Like, I mean, wasn't it? It wasn't it wasn't like he wanted to change the entire constitution of the United States of America. He just wanted to win another term. 
Well, I think he probably would have liked an amendment to let him run a third term too, had he been able to do it. But yeah, he, uh, he was a man with a big ego too, but at least I felt that he would not challenge the very fabric of the constitution. And no president, we have had presidents since, I want to say 1788, I believe it would be the first election. Uh, and that was George Washington. George Washington was probably the most remarkable man in American history. Sure, he had the flaws. He had slaves, although he did manumission after he, he, was, he died. Let them both free. But he had the ability, if he had wanted to, even in the Constitutional Convention, if he had wanted to and would have been willing to accept king, they would have made a king. If he wanted to, to keep on running for, for a third term, he would have had it. There wouldn't have been any problem whatsoever. But he did it the right way, and he set a goal, a way of leaving office that every president, regardless of some of them like Nixon didn't want to do it, but he had to do it a little early, set, it did. And that was commit to the one most important thing of our elections, the peaceful transfer of power. And the crime the biggest crime that Donald Trump committed is opposing the peaceful transfer of power. He is pretty definitive that enough people told him he lost that he knew he lost. But enough people said, why don't you just keep on fighting and we'll see what we can do. As he told those two senior justice officials, just say that there is enough fraud to warrant an investigation and let me and my friends in Congress take care of it. Mm -hmm. How telling that is. Yeah. And I mean, and these are people that were on his side. You know, these are, these are people, that's the funniest part of all of it. Like so many of the people that testified were Republicans that were part of his team. In fact, Raffensperger, both Raffensperger, the Secretary of State here, and uh, the governor said that, in fact, they were disappointed in the election, even after all these things that they tried to get them to turn over, turn out the, turn over the will of the Georgia voters. They still said that. They still said, in fact, they would vote for him if he was the candidate. No matter what, I don't understand that. I don't I understand that. It comes down to like, it's like what I sort of think of as like the worst part of humanity. It's, it's about racism. It's about misogyny. It's about being able to say whatever you want and just being this blustery human being with no regard for anyone's feelings because the world has gone too soft. And, and I, and I think that people, that, that they don't stand to lose anything. People that feel that they stand to lose something if they don't have someone they view as strong like Trump that doesn't take any crap from anybody. If they don't have somebody like that, then they're going to lose. Like if somehow somebody else gets something that they didn't have previously, somehow that takes something from somebody else. Yeah, so it's called the sum. 
Now, that's called the sum game. You know, so if you either win or lose, that there is no in between. There's no compromise on there. That goes back to Newt Gingrich and, and others. But the truth of the matter <clears throat> is just that, that it's a win-lose situation. And as they said in that, that Hope Hicks said, said that he told her, all, the only thing that matters is winning. It doesn't matter if I have to cheat to win. The only thing that matters is winning. And I, it's, it's a bad day. And we're, um, before, in a minute, we're going to go on. And if there's any last things you want to say about that part of it, there's one more thing that's going on today that's important. No, I have nothing more to add. No. Okay. <laughs> today is a consequential day in Congress. Because right now, or very shortly, the Ways and Means Committee and the House of Representatives is going to talk about the taxes. It took them well over two years to get to see the actual tax returns that they should have been able to see immediately. But finally, court after court said, no, nope, you got to provide them. So the government finally provided them. The Treasury finally provided them. And the question is, will we ever see anything of those taxes? Will we find out any information on there that we that they find out that we haven't known before? Will we find out that he's not as rich? Will we find out that he gives zero to charity? Will we find out any of those things at all? Now, there's a, a touchy thing on here by, if, if for about them releasing it, and that was that they had to show right up to the Supreme Court that there was a legislative purpose to see those see those income taxes returns and all and by the way everything about them all the all the, the it was a, the entire IRS file any audits any back and forth communications any emails all that was given to them is there uh, do they have the wiggle room to make those public do they have the wiggle room to bring some of it to public and some of it not it's a very interesting thing because I would love to see what his tax returns look like. I'd love to see how much he, we know for a long period of time, he paid zero in taxes. Yeah. Now, I know you pay taxes. We pay taxes. Everybody, almost everybody I know paid to some sort of tax. But now. It's, it's the part of it, part of me is like, yeah, release it. And the other part of me is like, I don't, I don't, I don't think they should because I feel like releasing it or leaking it or anything like that makes it political. But at the mm -hmm. same time, I, I almost feel like there's no way there's, there's, I, I don't know if we've reached the point where there's literally no way that some of these people that support him will ever see the fault in him. Well, they'll never see that he takes 90 cents of every dollar that he's raised for other people running for Congress, or he is using money that you think you gave him for reelection for his criminal defense, or he's just pocketing it. There's no, yeah. like, there's nothing I think that some people will believe about him. There's that will make they're, they're him for him. Yeah, they say there's 30% of the country that'll support him no matter what. 
and that that is sad. But in some ways, I can understand a lot of it creates the fear. But they have fear of women in politics. They have fear of of people of color. They have fear of immigrants. We could go on and on about immigrants alone, right? With what's going on, there's just so much out there that they're they're afraid of because they've had the privilege. They may, they may not think they've had the privilege because they see it as a rich poor, which I think is the irony is that somebody who bragged about being extremely wealthy should be understanding of what they go through, what their life is like. I've never understood how they could do that because he has nothing in common with them. And he doesn't even believe the things that he says. He says the things he knows people want to hear at a given time. And he likes to say things because he cares about one thing. And there's only one thing Donald Trump cares about, himself, to be relevant. He loves being the center of attention. He's one of these people, it doesn't matter, uh, good news or bad news. News and having him be relevant is, is, is good. Now, that may be overstepping for him now. Because I don't think it's going to be good news. He's had two really bad days. He's had two very bad weeks. He's had two very bad months. He's and had a really it, it keeps bad on going. This yeah. has not gone well, especially since August. Bad fall. Yeah. All, all these, these things are going on. And there's so many people that are, are turning on him. Unfortunately, we got some other issues that are people wanting to still protect him. And we'll see how that plays out because in the next two weeks, a new Congress will be seated, and they're going to, and the Republican Party is going to try and get elect a speaker, and that's going to be maybe fun to sit back and watch. I think that's going to be a mess. We can only hope. We can only hope I because I was going to say, I'm sure there's a lot of wheeling and dealing going on right now. It's pretty bad when McCarthy is considered not conservative enough. Yeah. So it's, it's a crazy time. But, the, you know, to summarize, yesterday was a bad day for Donald Trump. They came up with four basic charges of basically defrauding the United States through lying, through encouraging those people. Those last words in that tweet that were was uh, a year old or two years old yesterday. Saying and those last words will be wild. To me, there's no more condemning words than those will be wild. Those three words. He got them there. He set them upon the other branch of government. He sent that tweet out about Pence. And the next thing we saw, we saw uh, a gallows, and we saw people in that time period of 100 and, what, 187 minutes saying, hang Mike Pence and find Nancy Pelosi. And we all know what happened. When I see the rotunda, having been in the rotunda several t- a few times, and see those people in there desecrating it, I'm sickened. I think every patriotic American should be sickened that the man that we entrusted to be the top official in our government would encourage a mob to do that. Any final words? 
I'm just really interested to see how the next few months plays out in the next year and see what what really happens, you know, and see how the Republican Party moves forward, not just in the House, but also with the upcoming election. You know, this is an extraordinarily early time for him to put himself out there as a candidate. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anybody else is going to step up to challenge him right now because I think they want to, I think they probably think it's not worth the pissing contest with him. Let him go, uh, go down in flames this in the next Mm -hmm. year. And then the real field of Republican candidates will step out from there. I think that's what most of them are waiting for. I think you're right. I think the the only one that is an obvious candidate at this point is DeSantis, and I'm not sure that he will be the eventual victor. Usually, the earliest ones don't tend to do well in the in the long run. Well, we talked, he's, listeners. We talk, he's, go ahead. he's keeping he's keeping his mouth shut right now. He's not saying oh, yeah. anything today, which is the smartest possible thing for him to do. He doesn't have to say it now. No. You know, we talked about some very consequential things here. And, you know, it's, it's important to be in mind, but we also, excuse me, we're in a very special season now. We are just a few days away from Christmas. And whether you, whether you believe the Christmas story or, or whether you like the, the spirit of getting together with family or whatever, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. God bless you. God bless this great and wonderful nation. And God be with us as all this comes out. God be, bless us and be with our troops anywhere. Any final word on that, Karen? <clears throat> Happy holidays. <laughs> Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone.